Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Well, folks, welcome once again to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. We do this show every weekend here on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Alan Dempsey is our ace engineer every weekend. He shows up every weekend. And uh, Andrew Herdliska produces our show each weekend. Erin McPherson uh, joins us here from Austin, Texas in the first half hour. She and Kathy Lipp have written a book for Ravel, Hot Mama, 12 Secrets to a Sizzling Hot Marriage. Uh, Aaron, this sounds like a very, very interesting half hour ahead. What yes, you, it what, is going to be fun. What do you think? I can't wait. This is going to be awesome. And tell me, uh, uh, what prompted you and Kathy to dive into this topic? What was the need here? The need here was we were writing about two years ago when Fifty Shades of Grey came out. We both wrote some blogs um, just talking about how we felt like, you know, it was abusive towards women. Um, it hurt relationships. It hurt marriage. And we got a lot of response that said, you guys must be vanilla Christian girls who don't have any fun in your marriages. And no wonder you're talking bad about it because you guys are Christians and you don't understand. And Kathy and I said, wait a second, God created marriage and sex for us as couples. And how can we as Christians not be, I mean, we as Christians, we should be the ones that are like, setting the example for sex. So everyone's like, wow, they have these amazing marriages and these amazing relationships. And so we just said, we have to change the way the perspective is in the world of sex and Christianity. Erin is a wife. She's a mom. She's a speaker. She's a writer, uh, writes for online parenting and uh, does a lot of interesting things, has a blog. And uh, now we're going to dive into this book. Chapter one is called The Hot Mama Way. Uh, what are you and Kathy writing here? We have decided that there is a way, we're calling it the Hot Mama Revolution, that us as Christian wives and women can be to show the world and ourselves, and most importantly, our husbands, that our relationships and intimacy matters. And this means confidence. It means investing in our marriages every single day. It means flirting with our husbands. It means all these things that will help us to have strong, intimate marriages. Second topic. Thou shalt enjoy sex. Yeah, um, for, I think for a long time, a lot of women have been told that sex is for men, and it is for the guys. And we are saying, hey, no, we want women can enjoy sex, and sex is built for marriages. And hey, let's have some fun with it, and let's make it important to us as well. Is that a problem for women? I think it is. I think there's been a lot of um, women have been taught for a long time that sex is not for them, and it's not important. And I think they almost feel guilty, and they have entered sex and intimacy with the perspective that it's um, something that they have to do instead of something that they want to do. Now we get to the third topic, and uh, you point this out, Erin, as a vital key here. It says confidence is key. It is key. I have three kids, and I have a crazy life, and my body and the way I look is not the way it was 15 years ago. Mm. And I think a lot of women struggle with that. I think a lot of women feel like their bodies aren't looking right, and they worry that their husbands think the same thing. 
And we're saying be confident in who God made you and be confident in your husband's love for you. And it's hard. It's really hard for women. So what do you tell them to do? Go go join the health club? You know, that is kind of a fun thing to do. But no, we tell, um, we do a lot of stuff that we say, hey, realize that God made your body the way it is. It's not going to be perfect. And your husband probably doesn't notice. So we're telling women, you know, go initiate sex with your husband. Have sex with the lights on. Be confident in the way you look. Ask your husband what he likes about your body and highlight those parts. And allow God to take that fear and all those feelings of inadequacy away. Throw out the guilt. That's the next topic. What's that mean? You know, when we were writing this book, we interviewed about 500 women. And over and over, the words guilt and shame came up. I'm so, I feel so guilty about my past. Or the other one, which I thought was really interesting, is I feel so guilty about my present, my present time because I was taught as a child that sex was bad. And then all of a sudden when I got married, I felt it was bad. And so we're asking women from all backgrounds and all different types of um, sexual histories to say, God can redeem you. God can make your sex life good, regardless of what your past is. And let's stop being guilty about it. The Hot Mama Way. Thou shalt enjoy sex. Confidence is key. Throw out the guilt. And uh, here's the next one. Here's the next topic, Erin. Hot <laughs> hot dates over play dates. What's that mean? You know, I'm laughing. I laughed when you said that because I knew it was coming. It is so easy as moms. I have three kids. I have a nine-year-old, an eight-year-old, and a four-year-old. And mm. my kids could be the squeaky wheel all day and all night if I let them. And sometimes you just have to say, yes, I'm a mom, and yes, my kids are important, but my husband is too. And they can go to a babysitter, they can go to bed, they can watch a movie, because I'm going to invest in my marriage right now. And how do the kids respond to that? Well, you can't do it all the time. I mean, it'd be nice if I could just, you know, spend my whole day being all romantic with my husband. But um, we've been working on teaching our kids that there is time that they're not the priority, and there is time that... Daddy and I can talk and have time together regardless. You know, we can go on date nights and they can go to grandma's house. And we can lock our bedroom door and have a conversation without them pounding on it. Mm. Here's the next one, Aaron. Getting over our good girl issues. I'm eager to hear the answer to this one. Well, this kind of has to do, I had a, I had a conversation with a woman who grew up in a um, Christian home. And was taught, you know, about purity from the time she was a little child, which is a good thing. I mean, I think, obviously, God created sex for marriage, and God created this intimacy for the bounds of marriage. But she said on her wedding night, she had sex with her husband for the first time, and then went into the shower and sat there sobbing and crying because she felt like she had done this horrible, horrible thing. And so we're basically um, trying to tell women that all this it's really hard for a woman to go, you know, sex is bad, sex is bad. I got married and suddenly sex is good. So we're trying to open up the conversation that even a 16-year-old should be hearing that sex is good within the bounds of marriage. And a 22-year-old who just got married should be celebrating the fact that God has given her this gift instead of feeling bad because everything has changed in her life. Uh, You move from that topic to get in the mood. How does that happen? Yeah, well, I think that's another thing. Women have a hard time getting in the mood for sex because all day long they've been hand, they've had work and kids and all these demands. And so we're saying make it a priority. One of my friends told me that one night a week she has her husband put the kids to bed and she sits on the couch and she makes herself a cup of tea and she lights a candle and she reads a novel and she spends that half an hour just kind of getting herself relaxed and ready so that when her husband comes down, she's like ready and excited to see him instead of exhausted. 
Okay, now let's talk about sex, comma, baby. <laughs> you know, this was a hard one for me because we hear so much like there's no lo- you shouldn't have a locker room and we don't want to talk about sex. And as women, sex is not a common conversation. But we are encouraging women to find some really good friends who will hold them accountable to investing in their marriage and making intimacy a priority. I have a couple girlfriends who I can text day or night and say, I'm having a hard day. I'm upset with my husband. And they will immediately text me back and say, turn to him, you know, go to him, find a way to reconnect with him. And having that accountability to connect in our marriages is really important. So, yes, we're telling women to talk about sex. Aaron McPherson in Austin, Texas, co-author of Hot Mama, 12 Secrets to a Sizzling Hot Marriage. Ravel is the publisher. Um, uh, Aaron, by the way, tell me about your husband. My husband, his name is Cameron. We've been married for 15 years. We got married when we were 21 years old, and he is an assistant principal at a big high school. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. What else do you want to know? He used to be a football coach. Mm-hmm. Um, he's pretty fun. He's actually quieter than me, which... Um, I do a lot of the talking, and he does a lot of the listening and nodding and smiling. Uh, nothing wrong with that, is it? No, I think it's great. I mean, I get all my words out then. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> women have a lot of words inside of them, Erin, and they got to get them out, right? I mean, we, we, hold on to that one. I want to talk about that when we come back. Uh, these words exploding to come out, and uh, we'll talk about it. Erin McPherson, we're having an interesting chat over her book, Hot Mama. This is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. We do this show every weekend. You're listening to the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN, located here in Orlando, Florida. More with Aaron McPherson right after this. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Some survived and came back home broken or scarred. Some gave their lives for your freedom. Some are still on the battlefield. Deployment is really hard. Uh, The military Bible stick encouraged and inspired me through some rough patches. 400,000 military men and women have been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, and 22 of them commit suicide every day. Help change this painful statistic through MilitaryBibleStick.com. Each Military Bible Stick is a personal digital player loaded with an audio New Testament. When I am depressed, it gives me a place to rest comfortably and connect with God. $25 provides the Military Bible Stick for one troop to use anytime, anywhere. Call 800-800-2555 or visit MilitaryBibleStick.com. Make the life-changing difference for a hero who is feeling hopeless and afraid. MilitaryBibleStick.com. This is Dennis McKenzie for Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your host, Dr. Daniel Forbes, and attorney Delta Chen. Families by Design airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. That's Families by Design on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. 
Join us weekdays at 7 p.m. for Wonders in the Word, a radio broadcast of the everlasting gospel featuring inspiring and life-changing messages from Pastor Doug Batchelor. Wonders in the Word is a program that covers a wide range of topics, including the Sabbath, the Mark of the Beast, health, and many other topics. Wonders in the Word, a radio ministry of amazing facts. Weeknights at 7 p.m. on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN and WTLN.com. 93% of all abortions occur simply as a matter of convenience. When women in crisis see the baby and hear the heartbeat, most choose life. It's time to save the babies. The Save the Babies campaign is coming soon. Ultrasound for women in crisis. Save the babies with the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Aaron McPherson, the co-author of Hot Mama, 12 Secrets to a Sizzling Hot Marriage. Aaron, I want you to talk about a woman's need to talk words inside of her bursting to get out and the importance of a listening husband. Can you... uh, Can you cover that for us? I can. You know, it's really funny because I figured this out not after I got married, but after I had kids because I have two kids that are very close together. And I asked my oldest, my son, how his day was, and he says, fine. Mm -hmm. And then I asked my daughter how her day was, and she says, I stepped into the classroom and I set my pencil on the edge of my desk, and then I set an eraser next to it, and she gives me every single detail. (laughs) And I realized that... When I ask the same question to a man and a woman or a girl or a boy, the answer is so different. And same thing with adults. And sometimes my husband gets home from work. I want to tell him every little tiny detail of my day, and he wants to say fine. But it's still important for us to connect. And so we always make it a priority. You know, at night after the kids go to bed, we'll sit on the couch and we'll just kind of unpack the day. And for him, that might be the day was fine. But for me, it's every detail. And we're learning to get past that. And and so it's vital uh, that he sit there and listen rather than turning on ESPN and checking his uh, cell phone, et cetera, et cetera. Is that what you're saying? I don't want to say it's vital because I would survive without it, but Mm. it sure makes me feel loved and it makes me feel connected to him. Mm. Well, to the men listening, uh, I have learned in in many cases the hard way, Aaron. uh, Listen, listen, listen with focused eye attention and, and, and ask some questions along the way. One sentence questions, that's all. And uh, you will save yourself a, a life of agony if you get good at this and understand how important it is to your wife. Is that, is that stated properly? I think it's stated very properly, and I think it can really build your marriage a lot stronger. I think if men learned that thing, that one idea of listening, I think the sex and intimacy would come a lot more easily. Now we get to the ninth topic here, Aaron, that I want you to discuss. You call it speak respect. You know, we, I think, have... I think most married people have heard about the cycle of love and respect and how important it is for women to respect their husbands and how important it is for men to love their wives. And this is super important. I think we all know that. But I think it is very hard for couples to do that when it comes to sex and intimacy. Like, it is really hard for me to tell my husband how much I respect him as almost like a sexual hero, like somebody who like is there for me and intimate with me. And he has this part of me that no one else does. 
And we're asking women to start doing that, telling our husbands how much we enjoy our sexual relationships, how much we enjoy intimacy, and how much we want to be with them. That's hard for girls. I don't know if it's hard for men, but it's hard for me. Keep sex out of the locker room. What's that mean? You know, I realized that I talked about the wrong topic on the wrong chapter, so... Keep sex out of the locker room is what I was talking about earlier when I was saying that women should be talking about sex. And we're going to go back to let's talk about sex, baby, because we feel like couples should be talking about sex, not while they're having it, but at other times. And um, we have a list of questions in that chapter that we feel like every couple should discuss. And some of them are pretty hard topics to bring up on your own. So we're basically saying, hey, grab the book, show it to your husband and be like, hey, this book says we should talk about this. So let's do it. And we feel like it'll make um, intimacy and sex better. Aaron McPherson with us from uh, Austin, Texas. Um, fascinating book. Interesting book. Timely book. Now, Aaron, heat things up. Yeah. This is, this is another one that's a little hard for women because this whole good girl issues thing. We're saying... When you're with your husband, make sex fun. It doesn't have to be boring and routine. You know, do a little fun, flirty things, you know. Um, Get a hotel room. Go on a really nice date. Light candles. Get satin sheets. Wear lingerie. All these things that um, maybe are a little bit hard to talk about but are really important to make your marriage, you know, fun and flirty. It doesn't have to be boring. Is that a problem in lots of marriages, this topic of boring You know, we have gotten a lot of comments, especially when we first started this series of books, that um, married sex should be vanilla, should be just really simple and plain. And um, I think it actually is. I think a lot of Christian married couples kind of have let let things become routine, and they don't have to be. Now, you uh, write about this topic, Erin, knowing your man. Yeah, this this stems from a time. My husband, he's so sweet. I had just had a baby, and I was exhausted, and he left for work. It was like his second week back at work after I had a baby. And um, he came home 20 minutes later, and he had a coffee in one hand and a book in one hand and a muffin. And he said, I've decided to take the day off. I'm going to watch the kids, and you can go into the living room, drink your coffee, read your novel, and just relax. Mm. And I remember thinking, Oh my goodness, this is like, he knows me so well. He knows exactly what's going to make me feel loved right now. And then I started thinking about how I could return, like, you know, do the same thing for him. And getting him a coffee and a latte would not make him feel loved at all. Like, he wouldn't (laughs) care at all. But I was like, what does he care about? And I thought, pizza. So I sent him a pizza to his office and he called me. He's like, oh my gosh, that's the best thing that could have happened to me. So, In this chapter, we're just saying, find what makes your man feel like he's loved and do that for him. Not what makes you feel loved, not what maybe makes someone on the internet feel loved, but what makes your husband feel loved. And if that's making his favorite dessert for him, if that's, you know, taking a shower and making sure you look really nice for him, if that's, you know, there's a million different things. But figure out what makes your man tick and do that often. Now, here is uh, the closing main chapter here. What happens in the bedroom happens in our bedroom. Uh, Interesting topic. What what does it mean? Well, I, for a long, long time, like 12 years of my marriage, my bedroom was like a pile of bills on the dresser and a pile of laundry on the bed that got thrown to the bottom of the bed when we went to sleep and kids' pictures everywhere. And our bedroom was not relaxing. It wasn't private and it wasn't nice. It wasn't a place I wanted to be. And Kathy and I both feel like 
as a married couple, your bedroom needs to be your sanctuary. So we're not saying you have to have the most expensive furniture and the nicest things, but we're saying take the laundry out of the bedroom, take the bills out of the bedroom, Mm. make your bedroom a place that is like a retreat for you and your husband. A mirror on the ceiling, perhaps? I mean, if that's what you want to do. (laughs) That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So I'm I'm interested, Kathy, Erin, how people have begun to respond to your book. What are, what are you yeah. hear what are you hearing? We're hearing some really good stuff. We've been doing these little hot mama girls nights where we in like where women come to a house and um, they kind of discuss this with us and a lot of women have said, "Wow, I have had for so long I've been in this like rut where I just felt like sex was just kind of a chore." And suddenly I'm realizing that it doesn't have to be. And we've had a lot of good response. We have had some people who have felt like, you know, they've had a hard time getting breaking away from the idea that sex doesn't have to be boring and it doesn't have to be hush-hush. And that's hard for women, but I think they're prayerfully working through that. So where do you think the line should be drawn uh, when discussing marriage issues with your friends? I think the line should be drawn to where it's uplifting towards the marriage. So anytime that you're saying, I want my marriage to be better and your friends are coming in and helping you and turning you back to your husband, that is good. But the instant it turns into anything that would hurt your husband or hurt your marriage, the line is drawn. How important is uh, Christian counseling in this field? And I would bet most men don't want to do it. Well, I think it's absolutely important. I think, um, I've gone to Christian counseling many times. I think there's not a person in the world who doesn't need some help from time to time. And this is an area that, like I said, there's a lot of guilt and a lot of shame in for a lot of women. And I think if your husband's willing to go through that with you, that's wonderful. But I also am willing to say that if you want to do it by yourself, I think it could still be beneficial. Go to a counselor and work through some of those issues. Is that hard for women to do? Is that hard for anybody to do? I think it's hard to admit that you need help. I Mm. think it's hard for me, but I think once you go and you realize that you're making yourself better and God wants us to rely on other people and on his, you know, people who have been trained in this area to help us become stronger. And I think it's important. I'm curious about this one, Erin, your nine and eight year old children, do they know what's going on with this book and what you're doing? You know, I think, I mean, obviously they sort of do. I haven't like explicit, I mean, like they've seen the book and I've told them that it's a book that they can read once they get married and hopefully by then they'll forget about it. <laughs> but um, I know, and I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed about them and my mother-in-law, but we just won't even go into that. But, um, <laughs> what does she think? <laughs> she just told me, she's like, I think I'd rather not read it. And I, said, I absolutely understand. <laughs> um, but yeah, I hope that my kids, like they're a little young, but I hope that I can have really good conversations with my kids about sex and intimacy so that when they do get married, they'll have this basis of it where it's understood as like a beautiful thing instead of a shameful thing. And so my prayer is that through the things I've learned as I wrote this book, that hopefully my kids will grow up in a way that will help them escape those guilt and shame and all those other things and understand the gift that God has given us. Aaron, there are so many personal experiences in the book. Uh, how difficult was it to talk about them? It was pretty hard. Like I said, um, I did not want my mother-in-law to read it. Um, Yeah, it was hard. And a lot of the experiences in the book are experiences of my closest friends as well. Mm. I sat down with many friends and had coffee and talked about them really deeply. And there were a lot of tears. There was a lot of laughter. But I feel like 
I'm stronger because of it, because of getting those things out. And I feel like my friendships are stronger and I feel like my friends' marriages are stronger. So I, I think wa- it was worth it. Aaron, I wonder why God's gift of sex in marriage uh, can end up so complicated. I wonder the same. And I, I kind of believe that it's, I mean, obviously it's the sinful world and there's two sides of it. You know, we have this, um, this world where sex has become so demeaned and demoralized and it's so, um, it's just kind of totally twisted from what God wanted. And then on the other side, we have Christian culture that has reacted to this twisting and this demeaning of it and has turned it into almost like a guilty, a guilt ridden thing. And I think we have to kind of meet in the middle and realize that like, that's not what God intended on either side. We've been chatting away here for uh, the better part of a half an hour. Uh, Aaron, what, what do you want men and women listening here uh, to take from our discussion? I want them to take that God created sex for their marriage, and I want them to embrace it, and I want them to say, let's join this hot mama revolution, which we're saying, make sex a priority, make intimacy a priority, and invest in your marriage every single day, and I think God will bless that. Do you have a good word for men listening here today? Um, I have a good word for men. This book is for women, but my my word for men is, well, tell your women to join the Hot Mom, Mama Revolution. But also, <laughs> pray with your wife and tell her how beautiful she is and tell her how much she means to you because as she's trying to grow in this, it's hard. And show your wife that she matters to you in that way. In other words, the wife can't do this alone, right? Obviously. Right. I mean, I think this is something that women should be doing and taking the first step in, but any encouragement she can get is going to make her better at it. And obviously that benefits the husband too. Any more children in your pipeline, Erin? Do you have, is three enough or do you want more? I think three is enough. Um, I, yeah, my, my third born, he's a little bit of a wild one. Tell me about him. <laughs> well, his name is Will and he is a chaos seeker. So anytime that he could possibly find chaos to be had, he will have it. So um, pretty much most people who come to my blog come for stories about Will. <laughs> And he's what, four? He just turned four. Is he going to be an athlete, a football player, or what's it sound like? I mean, he would like to be a um, tree climber is what he wants to be right now, so I'm constantly (laughs) keeping him out of the tops of trees, but maybe an athlete. Maybe football is where I should hone that. It's probably safer. What are the interests of your eight- and nine-year-olds? My nine-year-old is a soccer player, Mm. and my eight-year-old is a swimmer, and she wants to to own a bakery called Cup Kate. Her name is Kate, so I get lots of cupcakes. (laughs) Well, it sounds like you've got a a lively home and a lively family. I do. They're wonderful. And uh, I'm so – oh, before we run, we got about 30 seconds. Tell me about Kathy Lipp, your your co-writer. She's so wonderful. She's one of my best friends in the entire world. And writing with her, there's nothing better. I learn so much from her. I look at her as my mentor. Well, we're uh, happy to have had you, Erin. Great visit. Yes, uh, this has been fun. Thank you. Congrats on the book, Hot Mama. Uh, Ravel is the publisher, and you can go track it down in – Christian bookstores, as well as uh, Amazon. So we'll talk to you later, Aaron. Keep writing. You're doing a great job. Thank you, Pat. We will be back for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. You're listening to the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando, Florida. So please stay with us. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. 
For more than 30 years, Robert Furrow has shared practical, engaging sermons that are always centered on Jesus. And you can hear these sermons on WTLN weekdays at 6 p.m. Robert Furrow, pastor of Calvary Chapel in Tucson, will be at Reach Orlando Church Sunday, October 11th. This is Adam Parsons with Reach Orlando, and I want to invite you to this special event as Pastor Robert shares a timely Bible study with us. Join Reach Orlando Sunday, October 11th, 10 a.m. at 2155 Aloma Avenue in Winter Park. Imagine an acne treatment breakthrough that even Proactive says is better than Proactive. Announcing today's Proactive Plus, the revolutionary way to clear your skin from the number one name in acne care. Proactive Plus is our best, most effective solution ever. And when you call 1-800-738-1912 today, you can have it tomorrow. Proactive Plus is the modern acne miracle that treats your skin beautifully. The plus means more. More precise, targeted medicine for faster, gentler acne prevention. Plus, more skin-loving solutions so your complexion can look bright and beautiful. I'm just so happy with Proactive Plus. I don't think my skin has ever looked this good. Call 1-800-738-1912. Be one of the first to try Proactive Plus. Guaranteed 100% risk-free. Call right now and even Even the shipping is free. Call 1-800-738-1912. 1-800-738-1912. Let's face it, I can't get through the day without something really bugging me. Low information voters, out-of-touch D.C. insiders, you know what I'm talking about. Hi, it's Mike Gallagher. As a close observer of Washington, I have a lot of pest peeves. But All Seasons Pest Control wants to know, what's your pest peeve? With our infamous Florida heat and humidity, pests are starting to peeve the good people of Central Florida. When that happens, there's only one place to call, All Seasons Pest Control. All Seasons has been voted best pest control company for three years in a row. In fact, All Seasons Pest Control is famous as the home of the biggest road and Apopka. That's because All Seasons isn't a national chain. Instead, they're the kind of local family-owned small business that's been the backbone of the American economy for over 200 years. Call Wayne and Terry at 407-886-0204. 407-886-0204. Tell them your pest peeve or visit BiggestRoach.com. That's All Seasons Pest Control at BiggestRoach.com. Now, if only we can get them to pay a visit to Washington, D.C., huh? You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Aaron McPherson, our guest in the first half hour uh, from Austin, Texas. Kim Fredrickson is in Northern California. She's our next guest, licensed marriage and family therapist. And there's a new book out that uh, Kim has authored. It's called Give Yourself a Break, Turning Your Inner Critic into a Compassionate Friend. Kim, very, very nice of you to join me, and I hope things are well in Northern California. Thank you. It's a delight to be here. Are you avoiding the fires? You know, fortunately, I am. I'm very fortunate. Uh, they're probably about an hour north of me. Mm. I read about them here, uh, Kim, and I can't even fathom uh, what I it know. must be, what it must be like. I can't imagine either. Mm. So, why was it important for you to write this book? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, I am a marriage and family counselor, and I used some self compassion in my um, office all the time and found people very, very helped. So I was doing lots of research on it, reading as much as I could about it, and I found that there were no books written on integrating self-compassion with our faith, and I was just shocked. And um, so that combination with, honestly, God prompting me and just saying about for six months, you need to write all this down, you need to write all this down, and I said, okay. And so I did, and um, that was where it all came from. The first chapter, why self-compassion is so important, uh, can you answer that for us? 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, self-compassion is really linked to um, lots of things that are tough to struggle with. So when we have a lack of self-compassion, it, it's linked to depression, anxiety, low self-esteem, uh, not being very resilient with life, uh, difficulty forgiving oneself, and actually problems in our relationships as well as it affects our relationship with God as well. Um, but on the flip side, the positive results are that um, a lot of people increase uh, emotional resiliency, self-worth, contentment, reduce stress, and, and actually it, it flows over to all of our relationships because when we're in better shape, all of our relationships benefit. And then you <clears throat> then you move to this little topic. It's called a look inside. <laughs> and uh, I want you to discuss that. Sure, absolutely. So, I mean, part of that is is taking a look inside and seeing, you know, am I compassionate with myself? Where do I struggle? And there's lots of ways that it come up. But one of the big ones is that when we don't have a way of being compassionate with ourselves, including forgiving ourselves, we tend to fall into two camps when we make mistakes in life, which is daily. And so if we don't know how to meet uh, our mistakes with both grace and truth, just saying grace is like I am a, a worthwhile, wonderful person created by God, and at the same time I make mistakes and I need him and I need his help, but forgiveness and mercy is available. If we're not able to do that, <coughs> we either fall into just denying we've ever made a mistake, no, there's no problem, I didn't do that, it's all you, or falling into self-contempt, which is just feeling like we're the worst person in the world, and in both instances, we really lose sight of the other people in our life as well as the way that God might be directing us. So that's the first one. It's just figuring out how do, how do I handle mistakes and am I compassionate with myself? Um, in, real, uh, in addition, the lack of self-compassion, just uh, we take a look in the book of um, our own needs and how those were met growing up and trying to figure out, like for us individually, where did we lose the ability to pay attention to ourselves and our needs, and to actually respond compassionately to the fact that we're human, while at the same time um, addressing whatever problems arise. Why is it so hard to be compassionate with ourselves? You do a whole chapter on that topic. <laughs> I do, because <clears throat> a lot of people, um, you know, they, they hear about it, and, and they think, well, well, that actually sounds really good. But at the same time, they're, oh, why do I have so much trouble? So that's why I did. But there's, there's a lot in there, but just a few highlights is, you know, if a person has a history of being criticized, um, it, 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 we've internalized that. And so when we fail as adults or even, you know, teenagers or whatever, that old harsh and critical voice just kicks in and um, it becomes the way that we respond to ourselves. <clears throat> Excuse me. Another possibility is that um, oftentimes we've we've learned growing up that in order to make ourselves do the right thing, we have to be harsh with ourselves. So we can kind of develop a bully on the inside that beats us up and tries to make us do the right thing. And rather than you know we we might have not had uh, a model for learning that there's healthy motivations for change. You know, not not stuff to beat yourself up that. Maybe you want to be the most honorable and caring person. You don't want to hurt others. You want to be um, spiritually, relationally, and emotionally healthy. You want to grow in order to fulfill your potential and, and um, take your place in the world that God has for you. So many people don't, lose, don't learn motive, healthy motivations for change. They just beat themselves up. And then I think the last one just to highlight is if we didn't experience compassion, 
in our life growing up. We we won't know. Um, we don't even know how that feels, and then we don't know how to treat ourselves with compassion. Uh, our guest is Kim Fredrickson from Northern California, talking about her book, Give Yourself a Break. The core of self-compassion, you tell us in Chapter 4, treating yourself with kindness. Yes, it really is. Um, and actually, I wanted to quote a verse that I just love, one of my favorite verses. It's Mark 6.34, and talks about Jesus, and it says, When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, mm. because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. And so, you know, if you notice his response, he's not mad at them. He doesn't ask, you know, what's wrong with you? Why don't I have a shepherd? It says he sees their predicament, he has compassion, and then he sought to meet their needs. So he, sees, he saw them in reality, he responds to them with kindness, compassion, and the practical help they need. So, you know, a, a new kind way to respond to our inevitable mistakes and failures is, rather than harshness, is kindness. Um, and so at the core of it is actually being kind to yourself the way that God is to us. Hello. Yes. Uh, now, let's get to this one, how self okay how self-compassion helps all of our relationships. Yes, absolutely. So one of the things that that I've noticed, and many people have noticed, I'm sure, is that um, self-compassion helps us, like I kind of said earlier, be in better shape. Um, When we are able to relate to ourselves as a compassionate friend, which includes um, encouraging ourselves, taking care of problems, um, practicing self-care, all of those things, we are much less vulnerable to how other people think about us, to the responses other people have, to all of that. Because what will happen in relationships is when we feel insecure, when we feel bad about something, but we don't know how to come alongside ourselves, we um, put tons of expectations on other people. And so when we're in better shape, we're less irritable, we're less reactive, and um, it helps all of our relationships, actually. Now, let's talk about this one, Kim. A compassionate view of self-care. Yes. So I think part the way I think of it is uh, giving yourself a break and being a compassionate friend is, is being able to care for yourself. And there's, there's a lot of areas. And, I mean, there's the basic areas that I highlight are um, there, we all have needs. And we have physical needs, emotional, uh, educational, social, spiritual. And when our needs go unmet, and I spend a lot of time talking about that, Um, we end up having these pockets of pain or things that we don't know how to do for ourselves. And and there's lots of reasons that happen. It can happen from abuse or neglect, um, or even as an adult being, staying in an abusive relationship. And, and what ends up happening is self care falls off. And so I talk about in the book, in fact, I have a a uh, way to assess your own self-care needs. I have a, something in there you can, um, an assessment you can take. But what it does is it helps you figure out, you know, what what are the ways that I actually don't take care of myself. And then I go through a, a, a process of different steps of how to um, help ask God to help you and, and just process of taking care of your needs. And then um, I go through, basically, you can come up with your own plan on how to incorporate self-care into giving yourself a break. 
Now I want you to talk about be compassionate with your emotions. <laughs> what, what, what does that mean? Yeah, what is that about? Um, so, you know, God gave us our emotions to help guide us, almost like a GPS. And um, he created emotions not only to guide us, but to enrich us and connect us and help us experience life more fully. Most people um, have a lot of trouble dealing with their emotions, and the reason is is just because usually they haven't been really taught how. So I, re- I go into, I connect with um, basically the four kind of parenting styles that exist of dealing with our emotions growing up. And the reason I talk about that is even though it's not technically a parenting book, it sure helps with parenting because whatever style we've been raised with is how we end up treating our own emotions. So um, there's four different styles. One is healthy and three are unhealthy. And um as we realize, oh, my gosh, that's why I'm so harsh with myself or that's why I dismiss myself or that's why I just try to make myself be happy. I don't I don't learn from my emotions and use them as a guide to help me figure out what's going on inside and what I need and, and how I can actually express emotions in a healthy way and not, like, blast them all over other people. The next topic I want you to get into for us, Kim, Kim Fredrickson, our guest, <clears throat> practical tools to build a compassionate relationship with yourself, uh, what are they? Yes. So uh, I take a look at the beginning of um, how we view ourselves as important. We need to take a look at how is it that we actually view ourselves. Do we do Because a healthy way of dealing with yourself and tools is to, over time, shift to a positive stance towards yourself, treating yourself like a best friend, like treating yourself like someone God loves. And so one of the big tools is changing the way you talk to yourself, which just involves first being aware, like, what am I saying to myself? What are these automatic things? Um, And then, you know, sometimes people don't know a different way to respond. And so one of the things I say is, uh, you know, think about what would the kindest person that I know say to me about this situation? And, uh, And actually confronting the way we talk to ourselves. The other way is, protecting ourselves from negative influence. A lot of people stay in very negative relationships that are critical and harmful, actually. Um, so trying to look at look at that. And then I talk about there's different ways that we can um, actually um, visualize or um, think about treating ourselves in compassionate ways, often thinking about the, maybe even the, the time that I felt the most connected to God and how he views me or looking at scripture and meditating on that and being able to, um, to, to treat ourselves in a more consciously kind way. So there's a lot of tools in there. How about this one? Practice self-soothing techniques. What are they? <laughs> yeah. what, what are they? Yeah, and ha- so what they are is, is it's related to self-compassion ideas is that part of being compassionate with ourselves is being able to soothe and calm ourselves when we're distressed, which happens several times a day, right? I mean, life is hard, and there's distressing things. And so I talk about um, the different tools that people can use to calm themselves. So some of that is slow, deep breathing. Um, Some of that is, uh, um, again, using some imagery to imagine a peaceful place or to imagine somebody who's a protective, it could a protective person in your life, it could be Jesus or someone in your life who's nurturing. I also teach people how to, let's say you're having a very, very difficult situation, but you've got to go to work, you've got to take care of your kids, you've got to do whatever that is, of ways to learn to sort of put those distressing thoughts and feelings to the side to return to later to help yourself kind of get calm and grounded. 
And now <clears throat> there's a final word here. It's called closing and encouragement. Yes. So um, I decided to kind of do a little summary at the end. And uh, to, you know, the first one is just to stay self aware. Don't just veg out and live on autopilot or give your choices to other people's or the demands of life. And it um, makes small and meaningful changes. You know, tiny changes add up over time to big things. And so to not go, oh, my gosh, there's no way I can do all this, but to actually make small changes. Talking kindly to yourself, just practice doing that. Um, ask for what you need, like valuing your needs and figuring out ways to meet those rather than putting those on other, all on other people to meet. Um, scheduling time to, to do self-soothing and just calming down encouraging yourself, uh, seeking comfort and connection from God, uh, lots of ways. And I, I also, in the book, I have uh, people often will say to me, I don't know how to treat myself compassion. I don't know what to say. And so the book is full of uh, stories of people who, just regular, ordinary people, who started to treat themselves critically. My guest is Kim Fredrickson, <clears throat> author of Give Yourself a Break, more with Kim right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Join Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, as he opens God's Word every Sunday afternoon at 5.30 on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. If you missed the Sunday broadcast, you can listen and study along with Dr. Jordan 24-7 at WTLN.com by clicking on the podcast tab and then Riches of Grace. Riches of Grace, a service of Grace Impact Ministries at graceimpact.org. 5.30 Sunday on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Looking for more than just a job? Look in the right place. For a career that inspires you, visit ChristianJobs.com. That's ChristianJobs.com. If you or someone you love suffers from drug addiction, now is the time to utilize your private health insurance PPO plan. If eligible, receive up to $30,000 or more in substance abuse benefits with low or no out-of-pocket cost. We are the National Treatment Network, the premier drug and alcohol treatment referral service operating 24-7. We help connect you with facilities nationwide that accepts PPO private health insurance for substance abuse. If you have PPO substance abuse coverage and you need immediate admittance to a medical detox or residential rehab treatment center, call us now. Call our live referral helpline today. The call is free. This program is not available to Medicare or Medicaid customers. Call 877-247-1585, 877-247-1585, that's 877-247-1585. Things are heating up at AmazingRadioDeals.com because now half-price cooling is available. Go to AmazingRadioDeals.com to get all the details. No games, no kidding, half-price cooling. Available right now at AmazingRadioDeals.com. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Our guest is Kim Fredrickson. Her book is called Give Yourself a Break, Turning Your Inner Critic into a Compassionate Friend. Kim, I want you to talk about uh, the health issues that you've been going through the last two years and 
Uh, how has being self-compassionate helped you get through these difficult times? I, I know that might be a sensitive topic, but I'd love for you to talk to us about it. Oh, absolutely. And I appreciate you asking. Yeah, the, cause the very brief thing is that I, I had breast cancer diagnosed about now almost two, two and a half years ago, mm-hmm. oh, two years ago, actually, and went through all that treatment. It was grueling. Um, but I was so excited because then I was done. Um, and as soon as I was done with radiation, about four days later, I noticed that I was starting to have some breathing problems. And so I went to the doctor immediately and through a series of tests and uh, biopsy and all those kinds of things, found out that I had had a very rare um, reaction to chemotherapy, which was I developed something called pulmonary fibrosis, which is a progressive lung disease that is actually terminal. And so over the course of finishing chemo, I'm finishing radiation, and then um, over the course of like three or four months, I was on oxygen 24-7, had to close my counseling practice, and as you can imagine, my life has just been completely turned upside down, and I'm, I'm not eligible to get a lung transplant, which is kind of the only only solution, really, because I've had cancer, and they, they don't put you on the list for five until you've survived cancer for five years, so... Um, it's been a tough situation, of course, but the things that I that I really encourage people is, you know, to cling to God and and to turn to Him and to all you know support that you have in your life. Um, I I I let myself feel and grieve. To be honest, I don't just let. There's a lot of grief that goes on all the time, every day. Uh, about things I've lost and then things I will lose. and uh, But I let those come. I just let the feelings come, and I grieve. And when I do, I feel better. It's like it cleanses out of me. I do everything I can to stay as healthy as possible. Um, I, I take a lot of help from family and friends, and I'm trying to do things that I enjoy and that are meaningful to me. I, I really am aware of the time that I have. I'm, I love being on the radio and being able to spread this message that God's given me about the healing power of self-compassion with our faith. And I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm taking the now I have now, and I don't want to let any kind of fears of the future to take away the good that I have now. What word do you have to those of us, I'm included, mm-hmm. <clears throat> who are dealing with cancer? Yes, I, I, it's scary. <laughs> and so to just acknowledge that, like I have a reason I have a reason to be afraid, and at the same time, I can also be as active. I can spend time with family and friends. I can do what I can do, and I I can cling to God because the thing that was comforting to me is that, you know, he's known from the beginning of time how many days I live on this earth, and this does not change that. It doesn't change that, And, and there's some benefits, actually, to even knowing because you can live your life more intentionally and um and do things that really, really matter. So cling to God, take care of yourself, be compassionate with yourself, and don't lose what you have now. Breast cancer seems almost to be an epidemic among women, um, mm-hmm. Kim. What, what, uh, what, do you, what do you tell women how to deal with it and how to well, be you know, alert and be on people, top of it? Yeah, so that's a good question. I, I found the lump myself. I had had a clean mammogram nine months before. So, and it was a fast growing kind. So, I mean, I, what happens with women, I really understand it is people are so afraid of it. They're like, they're afraid to, to do a breast exam. They're afraid to find out. They're like, like they want to be in denial. And I would say, gosh, do a breast exam every month or every other month. Stay on top of it. Because if you catch it early, your odds are just really, really good. And so um, I would say, don't go into denial about it. 
stay on top of it and take good care of yourself. Mm. So how do you feel every day? What's your what's your uh, health situation? Can you function fully in life? Um, well, I mean, I, I had to close my counseling practice because uh, even just walking wears me out. And so, like, right now I'm sitting. I have an oxygen machine um, that's giving me supplemental oxygen. It's in the other room, so you don't hear it. Um, but, um, I, I mean, my, my life is completely changed. So I don't have work anymore, but I do a lot of writing and I do blogging and um, I have fun with friends and my family and but I get really tired because when you're functioning on a lower level of oxygen all the time, it's exhausting. And so um, I've, I'm, I'm blessed to be good at adapting. And so I'm able to, to take the good that's there in whatever way that is. Uh, tell me how our book topic, uh, Kim, uh, has been relative or relates uh, to what you're going through now. Yeah. In other words, the timing of this book seems kind of interesting with your health situation. I know. Isn't it amazing? Um, so I, I had been practicing self-compassion with myself before, of course. I shouldn't write a book on something I don't do, right? But, but when, you know, first when breast cancer and then when, when pulmonary fibrosis, uh, it was interesting that the, my interest, my, other than the shock of like, what? You, when you get the diagnosis, the next thing I said to myself automatically was, I'm going to be a really good friend to myself through this. Mm. And I decided I'm, I'm going to be kind to myself. I'm going to notice how I talk to myself and how I take care of myself. I'm not going to turn on myself, like, you know, somehow blaming myself or whatever. I'm going to, I'm going to be kind to myself. I'm going to let myself grieve and have the process of feelings. And I'm going to turn to God. Like, to me, that is self-compassion. It's like, I've got to take care of myself in the ways that I need. And, you know, God still has a purpose for my life. Maybe it'll be a shortened life, but um, I know that God doesn't waste any pain or hardships if I submit to him and allow him to use what's happened in my life, uh, both to mature me and hopefully to be a positive example to others. So, um, you know, despite, like, how awful all of this is, God has blessed me in so many ways, even in the midst of devastating times. So, I, you know, it's very normal to try to want to know, like, you know, what are your plans? And what is, you know, and I was like, I don't need to know what his plans are. Mm. I can trust him because he's good. How is your husband of 37 years and your two grown children dealing with this? Yeah, well, that's, you know, that's kind of the hardest part, actually. Um, he's a rock. And so he's so helpful to me. And he's just, he just immediately shifted into, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna handle this. And so he's just really helpful. Practically, he, he doesn't, he never makes me feel bad that we can't do this, we can't do that, you know, all that kinds of thing. He's just really helpful. Um, my children, that's really hard. It was so hard to tell them, as you can imagine. But um, they, you know, basically what we're all doing is we're enjoying what we have now. And, um, and, and when things change and they get worse because it worsens over time, then we'll just deal with it. So I'm spending as much time with them as I can. And um, it's like the times are rich. And it's not in our conversation all the time, although when you're looking at your mom who's wearing an oxygen tube, <laughs> you can't really forget that, right? But, um, you know, we go in and out of it. And um, I think we're all, we're all choosing to uh, look, go to the positive. You know, we all come to a fork in the road where we can be bitter and depressed. And, of course, all that grief is part of that, right? I mean, that's part of it. But you just don't want to camp out there and live there the rest of your life. And so... Um, I'm trusting God, enjoying the time with my family and my friends, and um, doing what I can do now until I can't anymore. 
any periods when you have uh, questioned God? Why me, Lord? How could you allow this to happen? I'm your, I've been a counselor. I'm an author. <laughs> Yeah, how about how about that issue? Yeah, well, of course, initially there's just like it's there's so much confusion, and then you just think, well, yeah, know, well, like come on, like there's a lot of people that maybe don't do so much good in the world, and they're like they're fine, you know. So I mean, it, it's hard to make to wrestle with those questions, and I don't think there's any way that we will ever actually understand that until we get to heaven, which is normal. Um, I I guess to me, I you know, I, I let myself go through the anger and go through the confusion. I still have it from time to time, of course. But um, I don't know. I just have a real faith in God, and I don't think that any of that is for me to decide. So I don't. I don't think that He's let me down or anything. I mean, He says life is rough, and the answer is to cling to me and trust me. And He's not gone back on anything He's ever promised me. He's He's always with me. Well, a million thanks. Great to talk to you, Kim. Congratulations on your book. Thank you. And uh, we wish you all the best. I wish you the best as well. Thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity. We have a wrap-up right after this, folks, on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, This is the new 94.9 FM, AM 950 WTLN. And uh, we're always delighted when you join us. And uh, I don't want you to miss the wrap-up. Right back after this. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. For more than 30 years, Robert Furrow has shared practical, engaging sermons that are always centered on Jesus. And you can hear these sermons on WTLN weekdays at 6 p.m. Robert Furrow, pastor of Calvary Chapel in Tucson, will be at Reach Orlando Church Sunday, October 11th. This is Adam Parsons with Reach Orlando, and I want to invite you to this special event as Pastor Robert shares a timely Bible study with us. Join Reach Orlando Sunday, October 11th, 10 a.m. at 2155 Aloma Avenue in Winter Park. This is Dennis McKenzie for Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your host, Dr. Daniel Forbes and attorney Delton Chen. Families by Design airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. That's Families by Design on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Hey, folks, thanks so much for joining us here on the Saturday Power Hour. I'm your host, Pat Williams, and we're always delighted when you join us. Erin McPherson was with us in the first half hour talking about her book that she co-authored. It's called Hot Mama. And then Kim Fredrickson was with us from the West Coast. Uh, The book, Give Yourself a Break. Uh, my latest book is out. Uh, it is called Vince Lombardi on Leadership. Uh, a look at uh, leadership through the life of the great coach Vince Lombardi. Uh, go up to Amazon.com and order it. I think you'll enjoy it uh, very much. And uh, above all, uh, have a wonderful day tomorrow in church with your family. And a terrific week ahead. And then we'll be back next weekend for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. This is the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this same time on the intersection of faith and reason. The new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN.